You're listening to Gospel Centered Rest, and we are discussing 1 Corinthians chapter 1. On Sundays, David, we're making our way through 1 Corinthians. Slowly. Slowly. I should have been on 1 Corinthians 3 by now. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to make it. It it Uh, is. It does have. There's a lot in this book. Like, there's a lot to deal with. Uh, And I think it's okay to spend a few uh more sundays on the first you know four to six chapters because mm-hmm. he is laying a foundation for the book so yes uh what we do sometimes is look at all the topics mm-hmm. that corinthians is struggling with the church in corinth is struggling with and we go right to the topic but uh i think especially the first four chapters really do lay a foundation on Mm-hmm. giving perspective on how to talk about them and the foundation that would lead to being able to uh, not say I'm of Paul, right. I'm of Apollos. Now we yep. might have leanings towards Paul or Apollos, but it doesn't bring division uh, within the church. And, yeah. and I think that's actually important. I, I think part of what Paul is saying is it, it's not to minimize our beliefs or understanding of the mm-hmm. mysteries of God. Uh, which I actually think is a very interesting way to put it mm-hmm. because to to have revealed to us the the mysteries, the, these vast mysteries, these vast hidden things of God, and as they're unveiled by the word and the spirit and teaching, um, it's no wonder there's divisions. Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder that somebody says, well, you know, I'm more, I align more with Paul or um, I align more with Peter, uh, whatever, whoever it might be. So, mm-hmm. It, in in a strange sort of way, it's rather comforting that the the struggles back in Paul's day yeah. have not really changed. Uh, we 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 have the same struggles yeah. today. Yeah, and I will say I'm glad you're spending the time doing the groundwork, laying the uh, foundation. Was it the first sermon you only got through like the first two three verses. verses? The first two <laughs> verses, which is not your typical. Uh, you're oh, not man. your typical uh, approach. I'll, I'll be right? honest. I didn't think I could do that anymore. I think I needed <laughs> at least 30 verses to, to make a yeah, sermon. But yeah. But one of the reasons I'm so glad that you're spending the time laying the foundation, developing the framework, explaining chapter one and chapter two and how that impacts the rest of the book is that this is like, a, I was thinking about this, but like there's some controversial things that are coming up in this book. <laughs> I know. And we're now, we know. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. But yeah. um, there is difference of opinion and difference of conviction. And and um, as you're saying, those first few chapters are, are so important yeah. for when we're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as we'll see, hopefully this coming Sunday, uh, how to have the mind of Christ. Mm. And, and I think that's, in a, in a sense, what, what's happening is... Uh, Paul is teaching us what the mind of Christ is um, or how to develop the mind of Christ so that we have a, a more Christ-like um, understanding of of the world and, and how to live in this world and, and how to be more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. So 
in chapter one this past week, do you remember how far you got? Was it? I do. Did, did we yeah, get the first out of three points? I made one. Okay. So we, we talked about a, yeah, the, the great reversal. Yeah. So I love Paul. He is just, I, I know he gets crushed by people, but yeah, he's one of these surprising, you know, he just, he's st- first of all, he starts off um, his letter with giving thanks always mm-hmm. <laughs> for, excuse me, for the church which I just love. I, I mean, we could talk about that for a long, long time. Here's a church, and he's just thanking the Lord for them. And uh, he talks about yeah. who God is in, in, their, in their midst. So um, that's the first surprise. Uh, the second surprise is uh, he knows that there's all sorts of divisions. And uh, so we read in verse 10, I mean, it's, you know how sometimes um, if you have young children, you and you're going to go on a visit. You want them to act a certain way, but yeah. you know they're acting it going to act another way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of like Corinthians. Paul says in verse ten, "This is how I want you to act." Right uh, now, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you're united with the same understanding and the same conviction. Wow. Like those three things, this is like saying to your children, okay, I want you to say your please and thank yous. Or I want you to sit still at the table and yeah. I want you to eat the broccoli yeah. that's put in front of you with no complaining. <laughs> or when somebody says hello, say hello back. Say, say hello back <laughs> and look them in the eye, that, you yeah. know, that type of thing. Or when we were younger, when an, when an older person came into the room, you stand up yes. uh, out yeah. of respect for them. So just those types of things. But you know, your child's probably not going to, he might get one of those or she might get one of those, but all four of them. And so here's what we might consider one of the messiest churches in the new Testament. And Paul sets really almost the highest expectation and says, you know, I, I get along. I, I want, I, I want you to, um, you know, agree, um, that all of you agree in what you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no divisions. Wow. Uh, that you be united with the same understanding, same conviction. And, and really then what he does is he, they, they ask him for an example and he says, okay, well, let's be honest. Uh, let's talk about, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos, to Cephas, to, to Christ. And then he goes into um, what I think is one of the most clear pictures of the gospel and that is baptism. And so I don't think it's just, he's saying, you know, I, cause it's almost, he mm-hmm. almost seems to ramble. It's almost like, uh, I can't remember who I baptized. Oh yeah, I remember they, I did baptize. Yeah. It's it's but yeah. but the the whole focus is on on baptism. Um, and so he came to preach what was in baptism, which is the 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 gospel. But I think the great fear of Paul uh, is found in verse seventeen, where he says, "Not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect." And I think that is the danger is that the cross of Christ can be emptied. Um, it has no impact. Mm. It has no effect. Uh, it's no longer the focus. Um, and I think that's really where he starts in verse 18, which is the cross is foolishness. And for the cross to be yeah. foolish isn't necessarily, <coughs> excuse me, um, it's not, uh, you know, like stupid or you know that yeah. t- that type of foolishness but it's the more foolish as ineffective and fruitless and just empty mm-hmm. and so um i think that's that's why uh first corinthians resonates with people so much is 
I wonder how many people experience an, an emptiness when it comes to Christ. Yeah. Um, we know that we're supposed to be Christ focused and, you know, as we'll talk about, I'm sure, uh, Christ crucified and what all of that means. But boy, when we come to Christ, our relationship seems to be empty. Uh, his impact uh, on my life seems to be emptied mm-hmm. of little effect. And when I think of uh, my relationship with Christ, I just, it seems empty. And lot, there's there's a lot of people walking around not knowing why they feel so empty or experience emptiness. And maybe it's verse 17 where, uh, you know, Christ has been emptied of his effect. The gospel has been emptied of its, its impact. Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting because it really does change the way we, we approach the impact of the gospel in our, in our own lives. And, and um, to, to be thinking about it in that way, like am I displaying the gospel in mm-hmm. such a way that people are going to be drawn to it yeah. and see yeah. that it isn't foolishness? Um, or am I displaying it in such a way that, yeah, they're just going to look at it and think, well, that's just an empty way of living. That's a- yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where Paul heads and, and there's definitely that. Uh, but it is, it is interesting that he moves towards us to be able to, you know, ask churches and ask individuals, um, are, are we filled with Christ? Mm-hmm. Does does Christ fill us with, um, you know, joy and peace and wisdom? And does does life make sense or do we view life, uh, the life that we live through the eyes of the cross and the eyes mm-hmm. of the suffering of Christ? Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. The other thing too, I've, I've thought too about this passage is um, the cross being foolishness. When you think of their culture looking at the cross, they just thought of a, a humiliating death oh. that Christ or, or that somebody would, would have to endure. And then this becomes like the symbol for the Christians, mm-hmm. right? The cross becomes what they pick up, they bear. Um, it becomes what they preach um, mm-hmm. as, as, um, as Paul is talking about here, it becomes the whole, the substance It yeah. becomes about Christ. And, uh, and yeah, that, that would strike that chord of like, how could that be such a significant symbol for you Christians? Like, yeah. like how could that be such an important thing for you Christians? Yeah, it's true. And, and you bring out a good point because, uh, first of all, the, you think this is in, this is in Roman times, yeah. So the and when the Romans come back from victory, <laughs> you know yeah. they have prisoners. Right. Uh, they have plundered. Uh, the The prisoners are walking behind them. The you know it's, it's definitely a victory. It's mm. it's a power move. Um, they're displaying their power, uh, and and they're they're displaying their might. And that's an army that you want to be part of. Yeah. And here we, and then Paul comes along and um, he talks about, you know, the, the power of God and the wisdom of God is mm-hmm. found in Christ crucified. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would have been like, so yeah, we're following Christ who is crucified and died. Yeah. I mean, everything about that is weakness. Everything about is. that is emptiness. And I think, <laughs> excuse me, uh, I think in part too, um, but this is the power of God that the it the cross demands that people come 
to Jesus confessing mm-hmm. their sin. Mm-hmm. And we just do not, we are not bent that way. Um, we are those who do everything we can to prove to God that we love him, uh, that we're good enough to make it into heaven. Um, so we create our systems, we create our religions, mm-hmm. um, or we just, on the other hand, we just ignore God and say that there is no God and that there is no cross. Uh, in other words, that there will be no judgment and, you know, there's no accountability of a creature before the creator. So the, the cross speaks to us in so many ways, but it's, it's either we humble ourselves and come confessing our sin. Uh, and, and people like we use the example of Naaman, um, (laughs) on Sunday morning, you know, the, the, the guy's basically saying, I, I'm so much better than that. Why the Jordan? Mm. And uh, Elisha doesn't even go out and, and visit him. This is the the general of this great army. Um, and uh, something I didn't mention Sunday morning, but he was the enemy of uh, Israel. And the slave girl of Israel mentions to Naaman that he should go and see um, Elisha. The prophet of Israel. The prophet of Israel. And yeah. I'm like, all these things, Eli- yeah. I mean, just that Elisha was willing. And, and so you get the sense that, you know, we come as enemies of God to the cross and we find forgiveness. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and we're not willing to do that. We don't think we need forgiveness or we don't think there is a God. So we don't think there is judgment. But when, when God opens our hearts and eyes to see the, the horror and yet the beauty of the cross, it is, you, you get a sense of why Paul says, but we preach him or Christ yeah. crucified because it's a place of suffering. It's a place of forgiveness. It's a place of healing. Um, it's a place of judgment. Uh, but for the believer hidden in Christ, um, it's a place where Jesus was mocked, it's a place of injustice, a place of a depth of cruelty. And, and so, so much of our life is found at the cross mm-hmm. <laughs> where we um, find comfort that what Christ went through, we will go through. Um, but what Christ has accomplished uh is on our behalf or is yes. for, for our behalf. And that is really, you know, in a, in a sense that the heart of all these other discussions, and I think it's why Paul says earlier, like what you're Apollos, you're Paul. Um, if we don't get this right, mm. uh, then yeah, the church is going to be further divided mm-hmm. as it is today because the cross is emptied. But if, if the cross is full and mm-hmm. we see the, the horror and the beauty of the cross. We see the the fool. We we see from the world's perspective how it could be foolishness, but from a believer's perspective, how it's just filled with wisdom and power. Then, when we spend time at the foot of the cross, um, that gives us wisdom. Mm-hmm. That gives us um, that gives us power. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, what he's what he's doing is he's bringing us all to the same to the same level. Um, whether you're of Paul or of Apollos, yeah. the cross needs to mean the same to you. If you're a Jew or a Greek, the Jews see it as a stumbling block. The Greeks see it as foolishness. But as you were saying, like it's about coming in humility. We all must come in humility, regardless of how we see it. The cross is the most offensive message. Hmm. It's, it's so offensive. Like we, we maybe get used to it, but to, to call someone a sinner and to call 
saying that you, you really, like, first of all, there really is a God. And second, that you really need to be made right with him. And the only way to do that is not through your works. It is all of grace. It is sheer grace um, <laughs> that you would be welcome to the cross and you would find forgiveness there. Um, it is the hardest, hardest thing that that we will do. Um, but, you know, thanks to the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, um, that we will humble ourselves and say, God, I am just not worthy and my sin deserves punishment, but I look to Jesus and he has taken my punishment. Um, mm. And it's not, that's why, you know, for the Jews and the Gentiles, it's not this great power of Jesus. Um, it's not apparently this great wisdom of mm. all the things that you could do to save yourself. It is coming to the cross and saying, this is who I am. Now, why do you think that message you just shared is so important for the rest of the book? Like as we, as we get into some more of these details. Yeah, because I think, uh, I, I think there's a number of answers to that. Um, I think it, uh, as, as you've already mentioned, it, it helps us relate to one another. Oh. Um, our, our foundation um, is found in our union with Christ. And uh, if we spend time at the foot of the cross, then that will um, give us uh, grace, uh, more grace with one another. Um, you know, he'll go on to say, like, why do you boast in Christ? Not many of us were, you know, strong and, and all of these things. So it's, it's really like we're, we're mm-hmm. not the center story of Christ is the center story. Um, and wow. then I think uh, the, it prepares us for the issues because um, it's counterculture. It's the great reversal. You think you should take someone to court. Um, you don't think you should deal with someone who's doing sexual immorality. Um, such were some of you uh, in some of these lifestyle issues and, and certain things. And then marriage, he turns upside down. And, uh, you know, even, even speaking in tongues and spiritual gifts. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a whole, this great reversal is what you expect church to be. Um, you think you need to be a strong Christian while you're weak. You think you need to come to God in strength. Well, you're weak. Even Paul was weak. So I think, um, it unites us, but then it also gives us perspective on how to think, think through some of these issues. So, um, in, in chapter five, the, you know, the immoral church member, uh, church discipline, lawsuits among believers. Um, how do we glorify God in our body and spirit? You know, so, some of these things that begin to, fl- and I, I think those initial ones are, um, <laughs> excuse me, almost examples of, of uh, within the church to say, okay, everything that we've learned in, in the first four chapters, now we can tackle this. Yeah. Now we can talk about these things. And the reason we can talk about these things is because of Christ crucified. He'll go on to talk about um, as well, uh, you know, being spirit led. So having the spirit within us so that, so that we have the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's not this list of rules as to how to respond, but we're led uh, because our focus is Christ. Um, mm-hmm. If the church is empty of Christ, then, and, and, and that wasn't explained so that a church is not emptied of Christ in the first four chapters, then it would just escalate. 
the issues um, in, mm. you know, chapters five to, to yeah. the end. Well, that would basically, that's why those issues exist. Yeah. Right. In the church and, and in relationships. Yeah. I do love that, that statement though. Um, verse 21 of chapter one, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. Yeah. It's that the wisdom of God is so much greater, yeah. grander, greater than man's wisdom, yeah. greater than our wisdom. Cause if we were writing first Corinthians, I don't think we would have started here. Mm. But uh, yeah. this is where the Holy Spirit starts us, grounds us in the cross. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the fascinating thing for me is, you know, I, I'm still an infant in Scripture, uh, but the Bible brings us to places we would not expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible, and, and, and we touched on this, like um, Paul, you know, talks about um, we preach Christ crucified. Uh, as and as odd as it is, the the primary calling of the church is to preach. Mm-hmm. It's to preach Christ crucified, and um, it's a strange way to get the message out. The church is a strange place to be, but it's a place where the the power of God is revealed. Yeah, it's it's where our hope lies. Absolutely, and and how do we how do we live that out um, by God's grace and. Honestly, we're not good at it. No. <laughs> we're not good at it. Um, well, that's by, what's by so God's great grace. about First Corinthians, yeah. right? Is that's they the weren't good at it either. Yeah. But yet the grace of God was sufficient, yeah. even in their weakness. Yeah. And so thanks for taking us on this journey, David. Thanks, Tyler. We're looking forward to continuing to dive into the book of First Corinthians. 